Whew. Oh, what a what a rush. Yeah, I'll see you guys later. All right. Wake up. Just a couple blocks. See, sweet, soft bed. Hey, ooh, what's that? Hey, you all right there? Oh, easy there, fella. Oh, hey there. Uh, what's uh, what's what's going on? I'm a I'm the half muskrat god of this city. I tend to sleep in piles of trash, but no one's ever came and talked to me before. Oh. What's your name? Um, Bob. Bob. I like the sound of that. Yeah, Hor Horatius hey, Bob. Hey, would it be cool if I just followed you around for a while? Uh, do you, I'll yo, make like, it I'm work going your to while. Bed. Uh, I, I think I'm gonna go to bed. You seem to have a nice little, like, place in the alley here. No, I'll come with you. It'll be great. I'll, I'll, you'll see. I'll... I know every part of this city. I can help you get the best drinks tomorrow night. Um, that sounds pretty nice, actually. Um, here, just just tie this. I, I'm just gonna need. I'm just gonna need you to tie this little bag of discarded bottles around your neck so that I can always find you. Uh, okay, that's a little heavy. Yeah, it is. Um, what do I call you? Musk? Muskrat? Yeah, call me Buskrat. Okay, Buskrat. Uh, I'm gonna go to bed, and then, like, I'll come back here tomorrow. Uh, are you sure you don't want to sleep in the same bed? Uh, what? Maybe close beds, I could just watch you. You're pretty cute. <laughs> That's, that's I kind of like that one. <laughs> it's quick and stupid. It's quick and stupid. Hits all the high points. Yeah, that's the that's the Carson Castillo of approval there. Buskrat is pretty enlightened. The muskrat spirit. Because when I think of the harvest, wolves are not really my first go-to animal. I I don't know, man. It, it the whole wolf thing is so irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's very important, but usually it's just like, she's just sort of different. It, it's just it's just to give you an exotic waifu. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. In, in one of the aspects of the show that I kind of, I find objectionable on its face and <laughs> am embarrassed by how much I like the show. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's good to hear. You know, uh, everyone's sort of betting that you would hate this show. Who's everyone? You, me, my waifu. My waifu. My waifu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's that's how the dub, that's how they dubbed it into Japanese. What, Bor Borat? Yeah, Borat. <laughs> <laughs> that's, right, that's kind of funny. <laughs> I, I, I anticipated hating the show as well, but we can talk about why I didn't. All right. Any other business? Uh, no, but I have, uh, I have anecdotes. Ooh. So, uh, last night I went to watch the, uh, you know, Fight of the Century. It's weird how there's one every year, but, <laughs> you know, that was fun. Um, are you aware of it? Uh-huh. So, it's uh, Mayweather versus uh, McGregor. 
Yeah. Man, it was such nonsense. Like, it didn't even look like boxing. Uh, well, he's not a boxer. Exactly. And, like, <laughs> I knew that coming in, and I recognized that he would probably have some instincts that would be, you know, not kosher. I, I didn't watch it, but I read a summary uh, this morning. It was, like, the first three rounds, it's like, no one was really sure what was going on. We, we've never really seen this. No, the first three rounds were great. Like, uh, McGregor was... Uh... So he's got like kind of this stance where his left is way out in front, which is totally a boxing stance. It's not one that's regularly used, but mm-hmm. it's totally viable. And what it affords you is the opportunity to like do a bunch of cheap jabs. And because he has range, like he's got reach on Mayweather, he could just like keep him at a distance and uh-huh. just kind of pummel him a little bit. And uh, Mayweather was just like so obviously unnerved by not knowing how to like deal with that. <laughs> And he's just like, he's just going to tire himself out. I can just wait it out. But then we get into the middle rounds when McGregor's starting to get desperate from fatigue. And he starts, like, setting him up for suplexes and then recognizing <laughs> that he's not allowed to suplex him. <laughs> the like, quicker so you change great. modes, the weaker Rita's monsters will get. It's so crazy. That's great. It was so awesome. And then, like, eventually, <laughs> uh, eventually he just, like, ran out of steam and was just kind of a punching bag. And uh, the ref stopped the fight. Um, but after he stopped the fight, uh, McGregor, like, went to the mic, uh, like, uh, the, the, the person was like, what do you think happened in that fight? How did you feel? He's like, uh, and, uh, McGregor spoke with such a thick Irish accent. <laughs> like, I could not understand three words coming out of the guy's mouth. Like, have you ever seen the movie Snatch? No. There's a, there's kind of like this faction of Irish family who are sort of, like just kind of loosely affiliated with the plot, but okay. uh, they all talk like, "Oh yes, it must take and make all and you know, kind of like that kind of <laughs> sure, very drawling, like urban or not urban, um, rural. I mean, yeah, um, kind of Irish dialect, mm-hmm. where like only the three other farmers you work with will be able to understand you, kind of dialect, <laughs> and that's exactly what McGregor sounded like. But his, the thrust of his message was uh, that he was just kind of fatigued, that he wasn't actually, like, the ref shouldn't have stopped the fight. He wanted to he wanted to finish it out. He was just, you know, I was just tired. I was just, you know, I was still there. I was just, I was just a little fatigued. <laughs> like, it's like, dude, dude, you got punched in the head a lot. You got touched. <laughs> that was another thing. Like, I think it's so funny that, like, they, <laughs> the, the, the process for boxing, like, the... Uh, the kind of tradition behind boxing is that we go send this guy out to get punched in the head for about 20 minutes and then try to interview him. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Which, like, sports interviews in general are pretty inane. I I totally agree, but I also find them very charming. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I like the idea of him, like, going to suplex and, like, grabbing him, lifting him off the ground, and then in the middle of that realizing he can't and then just, like, setting him back down real quick wait this <laughs> like is that in ring. my mind is how it works it's a boxing ring not an octagon with a cage I, i'm doing this wrong <laughs> turns it into like a hug punch there were several moments where he like set up a, a good grapple and then recognized that he wasn't allowed to grapple it's it pretty funny that's that's not bad i mean it was farcical like it didn't feel like a boxing match but yeah, it, no, it was I'm still like, funny i'm curious why this was such a big deal when like it could only kind of end one way yeah, no, it absolutely only could end one way. Well, it could end two ways. One of them could have been disqualification by, like, <laughs> you know, drop kick. <laughs> uh, I, I imagine that it still went better than if they had tried to do the reverse with uh, 
with Mayweather trying to do some MMA. One one nice thing about it was that I they um at the end this is like my favorite thing about boxing is that both the competitors like come to the center of the ring and hug it out. Oh, I don't know why I enjoy it so much. It's sweet. Like it, the that sort of like gentleman professionalism behind this, you know, very it, violent sport. It's like Fight Club, but without the anarchy. Yeah, it is gay. I agree. That's. <laughs> <laughs> But like really sweet gay, really sweet gay, yeah, yeah. Not like, not like those, not like the, the those depraved homosexuals that you see on the street. This is softcore. This is softcore martial arts. Maxim for men, for men. Maxim for men, for men. Never mind. <laughs> Alrighty, let's get into it. Do I start? Hello, audience. Hello, audience. Uh, my Can I sell ben. you some corn? Yep. <laughs> uh, my name is Zane. And uh, this is the Carton Cast, where we review old cartoons, see what we think of them as adults. This is Carton Cast and Wolf's unusual anime. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, n- no follow-up. <laughs> we are humble anime merchants. Uh, I think what you mean is, we are humble anime merchants. And right now, the, the price of weird romance fantasy is, is through the roof. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we've got connections. To... Yeah, we can get you that for we can get you half price on a monster rancher. <laughs> I I mean, you know, the Tenchi Muyo stock w- went really well. That deal a couple of years ago for Tenchi Muyo went really well. Folks, we cannot give this stuff away. <laughs> Fruits basket was not as so was not as clean. That deal had a lot of a lot of rough so points I'm, I'm, in it. I really want to get into why you like the show because it felt in some ways similar to fruits basket you're so wrong <laughs> just just in the way that like characters like their romantic the ratio interactions. of like plot to bullshit was about the same right but the bullshit in this show was enjoyable <laughs> well all right then while recognizing it was still sort of bullshit <laughs> while recognizing they were still turning into animals uh, people not admitting their feelings that that i didn't mind awkward of hugging the, well, there's like an overarching theme that it like kind of marries what a relationship is and what a business deal is that I really was enamored with. Right, because this okay, so this show takes place in like a medieval or Renaissance Europe where also the name the show's name is Spice and Wolf, Spice and Wolf. Yes, old um, Spice, young Wolf. And so this is a setting where, like, romantic and business transactions are much more close than we would consider today. Business and romance transactions, yeah. Right, because it, it's like, you know, sell your daughter off to, to strengthen the alliance with Poland. It's much more personal. Like, the business dealings of this era were much more personal. It was much closer to, like, a barter system. or And you really uh, depended on the strength of your word and the, you know, kind of... Uh, reputation you have more than the quality of your goods which is kind of how um how commerce works now at least in you know capitalistic society yeah everything's kind of more set now back then there was so much you know bartering and and haggling and i didn't think i would be so interested in like the prices of different coins varying against each other like the the exchange rate yeah so so basically (laughs) the thrust of the show is that it's um like you 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 said to me before we watched it that i was going to be a what did you say it was? Like an economic fantasy? <laughs> yeah, a show that makes economics as interesting as a power fantasy. <laughs> it is definitely interesting. Wow, Sirens already. New record. <laughs> um, it is really interesting. And it's it's kind of like a bold approach for 
anything because like you know if you if you sit down and ask a bunch of kids what they like they're not going to say business uh (laughs) and this isn't precisely for kids so you know this is sort of in that sign in uh uh paradigm where we're going away from the adventure romance yeah, we, we get into stuff like romance and, and kind of business and how to make your way in the world. And that's all much more mature themes than uh, than your, you know, Dragon Ball Zs or whatever. Yeah, and this is this is a, a show where people get into and out of situations through their, like, moxie and their intuition uh, rather than, like, firepower. So it, it, it's, it's a nice divergence from those sort of things but you can still like root for the hero to overcome his uh, difficulties the thing is that the the, the hero's ability to, to succeed is very much tied to his personality yeah in the way that never happened with goku <laughs> yeah happy go lucky fun guy is ruler of the world ruler of the world <laughs> doesn't quite work so uh this is uh based on a manga yeah uh, written by isuna hasakura mm-hmm and yeah, and that, that manga series ended in 2006. Right, which is, I think, when the anime started up. Uh, the anime started in 2008. 2008, you're right. It, originally for one season, but then they picked up another one. But instead of just calling it Spice and Wolf, it's Bison Wolf 2. Ridiculous. <laughs> so you have two season ones. I don't know what to make of it. <laughs> it's just it's just some bullshit. <laughs> it does sound like some bullshit. Just, just get past it. it. I'm past it. Uh, yeah, so, so many aspects of I'm like my head cannon is invulnerable. I can ignore everything about the show that I find objectionable to get to the cool stuff. <laughs> That's big of you. I'm very big. It's <laughs> not quite what I meant. Super big. Um, but yeah, so I, I had seen this show. Um, you know, my waifu and I, uh, we <laughs> saw this a couple years ago and thought it was very charming. Uh, I don't remember if we actually got around to seeing the second season because it was, it was harder to find, but now it's all, you know, it's all up on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you watch the sub or the dub? I watched the dub. Yeah. I, smart. It was, I thought the uh, voices were very charming in the dub. The dub's doing like the, the, there's only kind of two characters that matter for the voices. Cause they're like 90% of the dialogue is just these two characters. And uh, one of them is a character that I love from Bacano. So Yeah, yeah. Um, I checked. I checked a couple of scenes that were in both the dub and sub, and I think they got the wordplay. I I think it was a good translation. Yeah, it seemed like a very good translation, and I also heard that um, in the uh, sub, the character for Holo, her voice comes out sounding very prepubescent. Oh, really? And that would have that would have rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, there was a lot of rubbing the wrong way in this in this show. But like, there was also a lot of rubbing s- the right way. As you say, on its face. Um, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't hide any of it. It's like the very first scene you're looking at a naked girl with a tail. Like, okay, guys. <laughs> yeah, like, slow down. Yeah, just give me a minute. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, I'm still getting to used just. to this. <laughs> yeah, and, and we all know that I have like a huge bias against, you know, this, you know, sort of light, furry dom aesthetic as evidenced by fruit basket where i was taking any reason to take the piss out of fruits basket because it was all a very brazen attempt to show me kind of soft core nudity with for people who were animals um tenchi muyo did a lot more in terms of the soft core not with animals tenchi muyo screamed it from the top of its lungs Uh, tenchi muyo also had this like um character who is super old but looks young and attractive and in a similar way, it was just kind of disgusting. Mm-hmm. Not because, like, I don't want to age shame people, but, like, 
I know what you're doing. <laughs> I know what you're doing, Japan. I, I wonder if it's just like, like that's just a part of their cultural lexicon that comes across differently here. Because for us, it is very clearly like an attempt to get into the lolly stuff. Do you, do you uh, think that is just accepted? I, I wonder if it's more innocent than, <sighs> than we interpret it. I bet it probably is. Like, I mean, America is... We're such perverts in our puritanical values. <laughs> we're awful. Like, it, like we may have, like, a nice, crisp, clean bed sheet, but there's, like, a pile of dirty sheets underneath. That's mm. kind of... That's kind of how we approach sexuality is that we're all kind of perverts, even though we're, we're trying to pretend like we're not. Like, I, I think that, I don't know. It, it probably is also that way in Japan in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it's hard to say because we are not Japanese. So maybe we shouldn't try to judge whether or not it's perverse in Japan. It, it feels it's perverse, perverse here. here. Yeah. <laughs> but it, there, it's also justified. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it's not the only thing to recommend the show. Like, it's not just trying to get your boners. So, right, um, and we'll we'll talk about that. Um, yeah. The overall premise of this is that uh, in Renaissance Europe, there is a traveling merchant named Lawrence, uh, who unexpectedly yeah, craft meets... services Lawrence. Craft Lawrence. I'm so glad they went with the like, with the surname. Ridiculous. <laughs> uh, and he unexpectedly meets Holo, the wise wolf goddess of the harvest, uh, and she feels unappreciated by uh, you know people are no longer as pagan as they once were. I, I really like that kind of shift, like the this cultural shift of we used to care more about religion, now we care about money. Yeah, and the interaction between them and the economic system and the um, religious, like the church, um, is what drives a lot of the conflict. What's really cool is because like uh, it it all follows you know craft services Lawrence business right. <laughs> He's a like he's he's a merchant. He he goes from town to town. He's traveling. He's a traveling salesman. <laughs> With a, you know, with a with a dapper hat and a. I'm just picturing flim flam again. It's all flim flam. I'm <laughs> I'm picturing a. Oh man, nope. That's a reference that only you would get. Let's not even try. I'm curious. Um, the superhero Monel and how he would like pretend to be like a traveling salesman that wandered up <laughs> to Smallville. Yeah, back in the early days of the Superman comics, where they're just like, this spaceman fell to Earth. Oh, I'm going to make him my brother. He's going to become a brush salesman. Oh, no. He's <laughs> vulnerable to lead, which is what protects me from kryptonite. I'm going to send him into the Phantom Zone for a thousand years. Amazing. Amazing. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> what could be better? What could be greater than golf with the gator? They named him Monel because they found him on a Monday. That, <laughs> it was so innocent back then. <laughs> but, like, so what I like about um, this kind of... We, we have Holo the Wise Wolf, which I like as a title. And the idea is that she might not understand everything that's going on with the economic system because she's, like, ageless or whatever. Yeah, they didn't have this fancy, you know, buying futures and selling short or whatever. Yeah, the, they didn't have, like, day trading when, where she came from. But she does have a very good conception of, like... Microtransactions. Well, she can read people have... very well. She's a very good judge of character. And yeah. she's, she's wise. Like, she's, she's seen humans come and go and kind of understands how they function she's got a strong intuition and so what will happen frequently is lawrence will explain some you know economic concept or some reason why he trades this way and she'll pick on up she'll pick up on it immediately and like do it better maybe not and do like, it better but like look like at it work from out a new as a good angle. team yeah yeah like exploit a new angle that like us flimsy humans just can't see and that's kind of cool 
Um, the entire framework of the plot, the economy and Kraft Lawrence's uh, kind of his his ultimate goal to you know get enough capital to open up his own shop that whole plot and, and like running from the church it all is all a very it is all a very functionary bridge to have us articulate the real plot which is this sort of budding romance between these two people right the the overall plot as you say it's 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 used to give them a consistent motivation and explain why they're constantly in a new place um, but really what we're doing is we're seeing uh, seeing them grow closer through adversity. And also we learn like some cool like trading tips on the way. Yeah, it's I mean, the, the entire mercantile setting is just kind of giving us a playground for this relationship and the relationship as the, you know, OK, it is in that kind of OK, I'm this is a woman with this tail and I want to fuck her. Like, this is kind of like, <laughs> you know, I see what you're doing, Japan. Like, I'm I'm accepting it because the romance is actually fine. But I'm, I I understand it, but I don't condone its behavior is, is kind of my is kind of my outlook for for shows that try to do this sort of thing. In a way, I think it's even more insidious than Tenchi Muyo. Uh-huh. Because Tenchi Muyo wasn't hiding anything. I mean, it, it was weird, right? Because like, Holo is very sexualized, but only to the extent like a furry Barbie doll would be. It, yeah, she doesn't like, and, and it makes sense for her character to be kind of coy. Uh-huh. So it, it's not that it's inconsistent; is that is so much that I can see why she's like that in the first place. Yeah, no, and I, I don't mean, like I, being pandered to in this kind of. I way. I think it makes sense why she prefers being naked. I think also mm-hmm. like. In terms of a marketing sense, it's neutered enough to aim for PG-13, but it's curvy enough to get that furry demographic. <laughs> it's curvy enough. Yeah, I, I think you're I think you're totally right. Um, um, and it's, it's all about, like, which camp do you fit in? Do you... Are you able to ignore the parts of that that kind of bother you? Which I was. Yeah, it's... We never have to deal with this sort of thing when we're talking about, uh, you know fighting or like or not fighting we never have to deal with this sort of thing when we're talking about fairly odd parents yeah like western audiences don't know what don't know how to do like this is mm. just tune out the parts that you know are marketed for somebody else they just japan just has an easier time selling sex than we do Mm -hmm. at least in 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 these kind of intermediate franchises like this in this media presentation that is worth like there's some sex in this but it's not the point of this output it's not the point of this video yeah to to the degree that i think we should move on and talk about the characters uh, for fear of like emphasizing the sexual aspect too much yeah and in fact maybe you should like cut a little bit of it out (laughs) because i i feel like uh i'm getting kind of riled up in this one aspect of uh anime that i tend to dislike when in fact it's not even that big a part of the show do you dislike it in the way that Holo dislikes Lawrence in like that coy way? Where <laughs> you, you mean I'm actually, actually like, like it, it, but I'm I'm being all tsundere? Yeah, I think you're playing hard to get here. I think I might be playing hard to get. So uh, <laughs> there's only really two characters. I mean, there's like a lot of bit characters, which I think work well. And yeah, are kind other of merchants like... with varying degrees of sleaze. Yeah, I like that. Like there, there are some that are more honest than others, and they all kind of 
bring new things. They're just added variables to this relationship. But uh, the first character in the relationship is uh, Lawrence, or I guess according to the title, I guess his nickname is Spice. <laughs> yeah, like a few episodes in, he gets a lot of pepper, and they're like, "Let's call this guy. Let's call this trading team Spice and Wolf." Whatever. Just kind of sticks. They don't even know, and they don't know that Holo is a wolf. So that's ridiculous <laughs> in many ways. Um. That's so that's an obvious the, translation thing that they tried to make sense of and didn't. Uh, in the dub, he's voiced by J. Michael Tatum, who voiced Isaac in Bacano, uh, as well as many other characters in more popular but less good anime. It, it was surprising to hear this voice not being as bombastic as I'm used not to. Not just, just like chewing the scenery yeah. 110%. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I might clip in like a scene from, from Bacchano, Bacchano just to show like what we're talking about and how much of a departure this is from that. This makes a whole lot of children we've saved, Miria. From those dangerous microwaves. Yeah. According to the British Sun or Nature, whichever it was, conversation is almost completely disappearing from families because of microwaves from cell phones. Children just play video games. Husbands are cheating on their wives and mothers are going off to work. The family is breaking down. Yeah. And we're going to do our best to put a stop to it. That's right. The yeah, and I would love to hear that because that Bacchano is great. Uh, the uh, the character of Lawrence, of Craft Services Lawrence, is... Uh, so he's been a traveling merchant since he was 18. We don't really know much about his background, which is good because I don't care about his background. Yeah, he, he's like all business. He's all business. And that, that's kind of like the the winning formula for this, for this show is that Holo is all is is so playful and coy and he's all business while recognizing that he's also kind of playful but he can't show it he's a straight-laced businessman she's a free spirit together they're spice and wolf Ugh. what i like about him is he's not a yuki nice boy yeah he's he's got like like he's got a temper he's got some he's got some miles on his face you know and like he you can tell a lot of his lessons have been hard earned yeah um, he's a little bit devious in his trading like he's not he's not trying to be like a moral backbone of society in the way that yuki was no he'll he'll rip a guy off if he can get away with it if he can get away with it and if he if it's like fair game like there's this very interesting i like his character because it's not pristine there's this idea that his word is his bond, he'll follow through with any arrangement, but there is wiggle room for him to turn a profit. Yeah, yeah, So what will happen is if, you know, if it's just some random merchant and they're getting along well, he'll give him a good deal. But if somebody is trying to, like, screw him on the deal, he'll turn it around and just destroy them? Yeah. <laughs> Economically? <laughs> yeah, it's it's so awesome. It's like, a, it's like a mercantile fencing match, and he's just, like, pretty good at it. Mm-hmm. So, like... And then it's it's sort of the relationship paradigm, right? He's he's kind of uh he's trying to see where he belongs with this other person, and if they wrong him, then all the like uh all bets are off. It it really is like a fencing match because like he's so good that he makes it look easy, but even after he's done like a trick, it I don't necessarily understand what just happened, and sometimes they go and explain it afterward. He's like, "Well, I overpaid for this cheap stuff so that I could get the really expensive stuff." at a cheaper price so that overall we made money on the deal like <laughs> yeah even yeah even though he's selling the cheap stuff at a loss it, it's pretty cool like yeah. I, I like the like, little micro 
uh, business transactions like that. And that can be like half of an entire episode. Uh-huh. There's not going to be like a sword fight in the middle of that episode. That's the centerpiece of the episode. Um, and we just kind of get to learn about it. And and I like that balance, like that ratio, because most of the time he's going to be calm. But there are bursts of intensity where he'll he'll scream or he'll judo flip a guy in the, one I, episode. <laughs> I don't want you to oversell the action quotient of this show. Oh, no, it's very rare. But I, I like that it's possible for him to, you know, do that when the chips are down. Yeah. And his his appearance really sells that. Like he's got silver hair, which makes him look middle aged, which he should have been. He's only 25 in this. But he has been merchanting for seven years. Mm-hmm. How many times has he been robbed at knife point? I want to. I want to see that. I want to see like his first few weeks, him just get it, kind of getting destroyed and having to pick himself back up and dust himself off and reinvent his uh, his business model. Oh yeah, this would actually make a, a pretty good prequel, I think. Yeah, probably. Why is he? Why do you think he's so much better than like other romance anime boys that we've seen? Like, uh, I guess Tenchi doesn't really count because it's not really romance so much as sex, but because he's. Usually in these anime, the guy is like really interested in the romance and really trying to get the girl, right? Like we saw this in Slam Dunk, right? Mm -hmm. The whole reason he does anything is for the girl. Uh, You know, you see (laughs) this all the time. And here he's just sort of like, I just like, I want to open up a shop and stop having to travel all the time. And I have this companion and we get along great and maybe it'll lead to something. So there's this. uh... He's so patient. Yeah, there's this. And and he's. His, that you're willing to invest in him for the long haul. Mm-hmm. And his motivations are independent of this romance. Yeah, he's a, he's a full character first. Exactly. And then the romance Yeah, he's happens. an actual character. He's not a blank slate. So there's this problem in like Sword Art Online where everyone is like, Kirito is super cool. And the reason for that is because he's trying... Like, the reason for him is for us to project ourselves onto him, the standard power fantasy kind of deal. But it makes him very bland as an independent character. Like, he likes fighting in a video game. That's all I know about him. It's like, I, I do too. Like, I'm more okay. interesting than him. <laughs> <laughs> but this guy is somebody who's, you know, been down and out before. I don't understand, like, where he came from precisely. He's kind of got a good-natured uh, attitude, but he's also can be kind of ruthless. And, like, this is a complete character before Holo ever steps into his life. Mm-hmm. And that's so good. And that's so something that everyone gets because like most of the time in anime, we're focusing on a guy in high school or junior high. Yeah, those are not people precisely. <laughs> I, like even it, like even in my own life, I, I can only talk to someone who's 15 year old, 15 years old for so long before I just get bored. Yeah, yeah, you're like, like they're just not that oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, you you just learned about communism. Fantastic. <laughs> like, I mean, good on you. Like, <laughs> like I don't want to. And you're learning the guitar. Wow. Like, I don't want to age shame or anything. I just, I, I'm not. That I'm gonna age shame. I worked in high school. I took my lumps. I. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I think I, it's not. I, it's not their fault. I just am not that invested in who they are yet. No, they're they're not there yet. I, I would argue that I'm not even there yet. I would argue that too. <laughs> in which direction? <laughs> Don't know. I just like arguing. I guess is the point. So you're not there yet either. In, it doesn't sound like. It. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that we should talk about Holo just because. Um, Let's do it. We need context for this character so we can talk about their relationship more fully. Yeah, agreed. Uh, in the dub, she is uh, voiced by Brina Palencia, uh, who is Tony Tony Chopper from One Piece. Like whatever, like <laughs> I mean, it's a it's fine voice, but who cares? Well, One Piece is an important anime, Ben. We should we should mention it when somebody shows up. I guess so. He's not an important character in it. 
I watched One Piece for a while. Oh yeah. Yeah, and I I remember that the uh the the bottom kind of fell out of that whole boat once Tony Chopper showed up. Hmm. Uh, it it just kind of like turned from kind of fun adventure, kind of treasure planet kind of style storytelling to kind of stupid clownish wackiness. Okay. Like I mean, he takes pills that give him three like superpowers. Like, what does that mean? Why? Uh, why is any? And he's also a reindeer that happens to be a small man that can talk. And is a doctor. I mean, like, give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> Put Zoro back in. Yeah, fair. Uh, but yeah, I, she's she's good here. I like the voice actor here. She, like I said, like uh, that kind of pairing of like serious and playful. Um, she's yeah. the playful half of it. And that really works for this voice actor. The The playfulness works in the romance aspect. In terms of the business dealing, it, it becomes a sort of audacity. So Lawrence will be very cautious about a deal and she'll just sort of like inject herself into it to like flirt with the merchant or, you know, complain about something so that he notices something he didn't. Like, yeah, showing off her intuition. Yeah. They're, she, they're she doesn't good, have any team. idea what these things are actually worth, but she knows that Lawrence is not getting as much money as he could based on like facial expressions and body cues mm-hmm. and that's cool um do you remember why she wanted to go to the north uh yeah like just, this is like the impetus of the travel for the first season at least i mean like her character is a little bit complex not that complex but you know she's got multiple motivations for wanting to move on from this town the uh the townsfolk don't respect her anymore like she used to be this you know god of harvest or something and so she would like tell the it's a little unclear because it's supernatural and this show doesn't really trade in supernatural in a very good way. Yeah, it's like one one ex- exception to the rule and mm-hmm. then everything else is very low fantasy. Yeah, it and I would really have preferred like her to not be a wolf god, I think. Um, it it works, but it also is giving us this supernatural angle that I don't care about. So I think the reason I like it is because it adds the um it adds this dynamic to the relationship where they can't just like get together and be happy because she is she has this inner conflict fighting between her bestial and civilized natures. Oh, oh yeah, like uh, like Catar Wall. Yeah, like she really <laughs> like she feels the tug of the wild and like this need to be a wolf and and you know kind of look down on civilization. Have you played a uh, Legend of Zelda: Tug of the Wild? <laughs> I think it's pretty good. Is that one of those world. H games I hear so much about? Yeah, it's an open world H game. <laughs> yeah, slash just... slash tug of war simulator. Yeah, it's on that Wii mote. You walk around and you just sort of, yeah, you know. Go it to it town. harkens back to those that part in uh that part in uh in Twilight Princess where you have to sumo wrestle Gorons for like ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that was such a funny part of that game. <laughs> <laughs> I I didn't get that far. Man, it's so funny because like you're you're chilling out, you're riding on horseback, you got your sword, you got your bow, you're like this is Zelda, and like okay, you turn into a wolf to like track down a guy, but like then you turn back into a person. All right, go up to Death Mountain. We all know what happens there. No, you have to like walk past a bunch of Gorons, which means that you need to go get Iron Boots so that you can sumo wrestle the Goron King. It like just turns <laughs> so silly. <laughs> yeah, so Link also turns into a wolf. Yeah, I guess so. I wonder if uh. I don't. I, wonder, I don't have anything to go with that, but that's. I, I think. I think we have a spinoff uh, show where Kraft Lawrence meets uh, Link. Yeah, Spice and Link. 
Nope. No, no. Yeah, yeah. Spice and Link, not Lincoln Wolf. I don't. I don't want whole <laughs> Lincoln. <of me. laughs> Lincoln Wolf. Lincoln. Lincoln Park. That's right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I think that because we see her fight with herself, like she doesn't want Lawrence to see this aspect of her, but she also doesn't want to forget it, and so she, she can sometimes be. Sometimes she really likes comfort and pampering, and sometimes she you know, complains that she's not in the wild right now. She, So I think there's complexity that sometimes appears to be just like wishy-washiness. I think you're right. And I think that's really good because I don't like the idea. I, whenever some, whenever I have a character that's a god or like is ageless or like has existed for like for a thousand years, them being f- like fickle doesn't mm-hmm. really jive with me. Like it feels like they should have kind of got their shit sorted out somewhere in the 300 year lull. And, yeah, yeah. Like even the old gods, you know, yeah. should have should have figured it out. Right. And what I what I do like is that she's got motivations that are unclear because they're too complex for us mortals mortals to understand. So like Kraft Lawrence will like really like she he really likes this girl and uh, is trying to you know kind of see where that relationship goes, but is also like has no idea how to interact with her without setting her off or. Like, knowing when she's joking and when she's not. Like, she's just kind of too complex for his, like, mortal brain to figure out. Yeah, it's it's a weird relationship. I think that their chemistry is excellent. Um, you know, mm. they clearly have romantic feelings for each other. And, like, they can say that outright. And they can cuddle. But they never actually become an item. It's really weird. Yeah, and that's because like, she's very playful. Weird. It's believable weird. It, it's it almost weird. like she's hunting him and like is just kind of like wearing down his defenses and oh, like cornering like... <laughs> him. <laughs> like like uh the way puppies play. Yeah, a little bit. That's um, fun. So but just to talk about like a little bit of other aspects of Holo by herself, her speech patterns are kind of archaic and traditional and uh it, it sort of reminds me of River Tam. Yeah, like no contractions and uh Yeah. Maybe old old idioms rather than new ones and like the ability to say things very straight faced in a way that makes everything very funny like uh she'll like step outside the room and lawrence will just kind of be introspecting for a second and holo will open the door and be like i have been waiting out here forever and it's like that, that is an idiom but you don't mean it like that <laughs> it's is just it not the cute. case that that a man may walk into a house and not understand where the walls come from you know, <laughs> sort of, <laughs> what, sort of roundabout talking yeah it's a little bit circuitous um, and i like she, it <laughs> She uses kind of poetic. uh, She uses I am Holo the wise wolf as if it ends any argument. I mean, in her eyes, it does. (laughs) Yeah. Excuse me, mortal. I think you forgot that I am a god. (laughs) Yeah, she's she's sort of playing the, you know, (laughs) she's she's sort of playing the up uptight girlfriend card (laughs) a little bit much. Like you are a fun toy. And sometimes I forget that you are that you are a toy, but you shouldn't forget that. I like that, like the implicit hierarchy of the relationship. <laughs> yeah. And they both understand it, and Lawrence is just kind of okay with it. Like, he he gets around it by ignoring it. He gets around it by, like, trying to be kind of Stonewall, like, uh, kind of cold and well, he claims to have he claims to have power over her by saying that she's in his debt because she owes him money. We, we get the idea that... <laughs> so, like, that is true, and that is the explanation for why she can't leave him yet i think both player both characters kind of recognize that it's just a front to get them to spend more time together yeah yeah yeah. no that's great though like they can't admit everything they want to so they phrase it as a transaction Mm -hmm. 
Um, like, okay, so in the sixth episode, uh, she becomes a wolf to save them from a greedy trading company that's going to kill them. Right. Uh, and she starts walking away. She's like, I didn't want you to see it. I don't want you to be reminded of how, how you know, bloodthirsty I can be. And rather than him saying that he accepts her, he yells at her saying, like, you ruined the expensive clothes I bought for you. So I'm going to need repayment. I'm going to follow you all the way to the north to get it so if no- I have to. Normally, I dislike things like this where they can't admit their feelings and they have to, like, pretend that it's something that it's not. Here it kind of makes sense because the point of the relationship is that we the, the characters don't understand each other very well. And it's like it's so obvious like we understand what's going on and they do too. Yeah, that that's the thing. They know they know as well. I, they I understand. It, I think it actually fits nicely with the repressed and proper setting like this this Europe during the Middle Ages kind of thing. Yeah. Where, you know, it, it is improper to, you know, show a leg or, you know, PDAs or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I like these, like, little kind of... Because, like... Cause, like, Lawrence is selling an image more than anything else. He's got to, yeah, like, yeah. be proper and professional, and Holo is not. So she doesn't feel any particular need to be proper and professional. So we get, like, little, little like, just kind of verbal spats where it's clear like it's clear that they like each other but they can't admit it because of who they are and what they're doing this is an old couple and so they can like say that they want something that they actually don't yeah but they so lawrence says like oh you know i just want to settle down and open a shop and get off the road but he's he's so in the zone when he's out trading and bartering and holo is like i just want to get to the north and find people who still worship me and like no she wants to hang out with lawrence longer but the the idea that they both know what's going on and it doesn't take away from that kind of, you know, coy, playful beginning of the relationship metaphor is is really good. Yeah, it, it's it's a hard line, and this anime does it better than a lot that I've seen. Well, it's the fact that they both know what's going on. Yeah. If like if if Lawrence was just like a you know like but don't understand romance kind of like I I don't comprehend these affections that I get, it would be <laughs> so much worse. Yeah. But here it like it, it creates little scenes where like they both know what they're talking about. Like so let's let's set up one a scene. Okay. Lawrence suggests Holo gets new clothes before they go north so that she doesn't stand out as much. Yes. Holo agrees and teases him by saying it's sweet of him to offer her to treat her to new clothes while giving like practical outward reasons. And Lawrence doesn't deny it. <laughs> <laughs> like they both know why he's being nice. And they both appreciate that he's phrasing it not as being nice, but as this, like, mercantile transaction. Yeah, yeah. So, like, they're, um, they're both in on, like, like, it's a game to both of them. Yeah. Uh, one time she says something like, uh, you, have ignored, you have ignored the gift given to you twice before. If you fail to recognize the third chance, then the tale of fate may evade you entirely. What does that mean, Holo? <laughs> and he says, I have no idea what you're talking about. But, like, he he's, he's smiling while he's saying it. Like, it's so clear. He has every idea what she's talking about. <laughs> he's just, he's leading her on because that's, that's how you trap a wolf god. It would be so, yeah, exactly. He's baiting her. She's baiting him. It's, it's, it's a fencing match, like all the merchant stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And so I want to go into tone and genre with that in mind. Sure. Because the big theme of this is how a relationship is like a business arrangement. And so like, there's a lot of parallels that can be drawn between the two. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the idea that, uh. That his word is his bond, like, the the notion that 
he goes from town to town, and the only thing keeping him is... So the cool thing about this is that, yes, there are people who try to rip you off in this setting, yeah, but it's so, import- it's so important to keep a uh, professional and re- trustworthy business face that it's not in your best interest to rip the other person off. Like, that's his strongest defense. Like, you realize that's that's armor to him. Like, it's not good business. Because they meet this series of, like, two-faced and opportunistic traitors... And and the audience feels like this is an untrustworthy world. This is a dangerous profession. Yeah. And Lawrence is just killing it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like, if, if we take that laterally to his relationship with Holo, the idea that, like, yes, there's something in it for both of us. I could, we could rush this romance into, like, the physical aspects of it. But we need to build, like, this trustworthy foundation. Because right. there's uncertainty on both sides, because we don't really understand each other's races. So we're taking our time. We're building a, a, a professional relationship before we... So, like, you know, maybe this is a new trader. I kind of like him. He's got some good ideas, but I don't want to put all my eggs in that basket until I understand him a little better. Maybe I'll do a lighter business arrangement. Mm-hmm. And you can see that paying off over time as Lawrence goes back to villages that he's been in before, and he looks up his old contacts, and they're, you know, really warm to him. Like, He's done right by them, so he's got opportunities in the future. Yeah, and, and you know, carrying the analogy further, uh, Holo will flirt with a bunch of the merchants they interact with, and a lot of them are, like, these skeezy guys who, like, express a clear interest in her. I like the money that's changer. why that's why she's not interested in them. Yeah, yeah. And why she sticks with Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the money changer is very funny. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's just, like, Lawrence's absolute, like, exact opposite. Yeah, and like the idea that they're still friends is very is very good, is very charming <laughs> to me. He's he's like you really should be you know if, if you're going to have coins in hand they should be copper and less likely to be stolen. And he's like the only worry I have is that her gentle hands will drop these <laughs> these silver <laughs> coins. Like what is going on here? And it, like he he's just been like rehearsing lines for a play. It almost seems like yeah. Um, the way that they talk. Because because this the show moves forward through conversation. Yeah, it's it's very dialogue focused. There's almost no action. I mean, there's occasional dramatic realizations, but like, it, it's just a back and forth, and it, it happens for economics. It happens for food, where Lawrence will you know say like, oh, these are the different ways that you can prepare, and and uh, these are the different foods that grow here, and you know, Holo will be like, get me, you know, get me the meat now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Lawrence, when are you going to give me that meat? Yeah, she's she's a little bit more direct. Yeah. You know? and, and so, like, Lawrence will also explain the arcane parts of economic theories. He'll say, like, well, this is when you want to sell. This is when you want to buy. This is how you can make a profit even when the currency is being devalued. I got to be real. I, I got kind of lost in some of the it, economic explaining. <laughs> it could use, like, like this it, is something you want to watch in between Wikipedia pages. Yeah, it just, I, I mean, like, I feel like a real dummy for saying that I got confused by the motivations in a fucking romance anime, but, like, uh, I kind of did. I've never taken an economics class, so I didn't feel bad about it. Yeah, like, I understood the first one. It's like, okay, currency being devalued. Okay, so they were trying to buy a bunch of silver, and the king is trying to get the silver so he can re-mint coins, and we want to get a contract with the king, and, uh... Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden they're like, so that's how they're doing it. And I'm like, what you did not explain the yeah, last bit. You need you need to connect the you need to connect why, the dots for us. Why silly. is the church after you? I don't 
Yeah, like I, I very, I barely was able to set up a Venmo account. Like I um, just, I'm a little lost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's fine. Like, cause it's the strength is the dialogue and not really the plot. So yeah, like you get the, the emotional that beats they, that they give you. You you recognize that they know what they're talking about, and that's charming enough. At the same time, like I wouldn't mind it pared down a little bit better for me. Mm-hmm. So it's a little inaccessible. So it's a minor ding. Remember in fine. um, remember in Slam Dunk where they would have, you know, like these uh. uh iconic like diagrams of what just happened yeah i think they could have done that where you know little okay lawrence and holo's like chibi face on a map and then you see the like coins moving over here like i I think that would have helped it i don't think i would have liked chibi face i wouldn't have minded like a a small like robed merchant like kind of figurine without any facial features like a blank like stick figure kind of thing wearing merchant robes like just the face on a on a line of text in a video game like would you like to learn more yeah, something like that. I mean, like, yeah. there's ways that you could do it. It's fine that they didn't... That, that would have kind of broken immersion, so it's it's okay that they didn't yeah. do that, but I was kind of lost at times. Yeah. However... Especially, especially when Holo tries to relate everything to a wolf hunt. Yeah, that, that that's kind of... I'm okay with that. <laughs> ah, so this is like how we can change perspective to get a better understanding of where the prey will go. Y- yeah, kind of? Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of shut your mouth, though. <laughs> like, the adults are sort of talking. <laughs> uh, it, it, it kind of gets mansplainy at times, though. <laughs> like, a, or humansplainy, I guess. Well, like, she helps him out of enough binds that there's a, a, a give and take. But, you know, they, they do need each other. Neither one of them could do this alone. Yeah, and this is, like, the, there's kind of a long historical tradition for couples making good merchant kind of uh, affiliations mm-hmm. like maybe you trust a shopkeep that's kind of like a family business but maybe not like this loan merchant like there's something to the synthesis of being able to trust your partner implicitly right so there's some synergy here the the thing is like whenever this theme is put on display so brazenly you run the numerology problem where you're just gonna you're gonna pull out whatever metaphors you want and it'll always sort of fit mm. so you know, like maybe a maybe a metaphor in one episode is it's best to represent your own interests first, and you can take that laterally to a relationship. Like you know, self care is important. You can't be happy with a person if you can't be happy with yourself. That sort of thing. Right. And then the next episode will be like the bond between businessmen is paramount, and compromise is always the first step. It's like hmm, these are these are kind of conflicting messages. <laughs> like I, I get that. Like it's very context sensitive, but at the same time, the 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 point is like. If you want to draw that parallel, you're going to have evidence for it, whether or not it's applicable. Well, Ben, it's a very nuanced profession. I mean, I'll grant you that. Like, it it just, you, you don't want to go too far with this theme, because it will break mm-hmm. down in some places. Yeah. Uh, At times, like, it's best to consider, like, yes, there's some, there's some parallels we can draw between being a merchant and being in a relationship, but let's not go crazy. Yeah, they're, they're, they, they are need not, to be careful not to overplay that. They're they're not equal. They're they're similar. I, they're not. I equal. think I think the balance of that is pretty good. I think like so too. the time they the time that they spend doing business and the time that they spend doing you know, business like BoJack Horseman like interacting. I did a business. <laughs> uh, like I th- I think it's a good ratio. I, I think so too. Just just so we're clear, we all understand that as three toddlers stacked on top of each other in a trench coat aren't. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you do? 
I did a business. I tell him he works too hard. <laughs> I, I love that whole bit. Like, it happens for multiple episodes that she doesn't recognize she's dating three toddlers in a trench coat. Oh, man. Mm. So, uh, let's see here. Um, before we move on, uh, I want to say that the setting, while providing us a good backdrop for this relationship, beyond just it being this kind of a backdrop, it's also a very big part of the show is just kind of establishment of this setting, like recognizing us, giving right. us the flavor of this world. Mm-hmm. Like we don't live in this world. So, and most of the people in this world are not merchants. So all of the medieval like trading tidbits are very interesting because it's not something that everyone knows in this world. But at the same time, there's also, we don't, we don't see the non-merchant aspects of this world enough, I think. The times that we do see them, it's pretty cool. What do you mean? Because I don't, I didn't feel like I was missing out on anything. So like, uh, there, there's this one town where, for some reason, the alchemists live in this kind of rundown part of town because they're not worried about the, I don't know, the smoke or something that's created, and it like allows them the wherewithal to kind of conduct their business without prying eyes. Mm. And that is not really a merchant thing. That's kind of just a this a, a little wrinkle to this town that we didn't anticipate or maybe there's like um maybe the pull of this church is so strong that it has its own militia force in this particular town like it just kind of gives you little flavorings of the various different villages and kind of personalizes them but i felt that they didn't do it often enough yeah not enough world building yeah and sometimes they'll zoom out and show the whole city and i will like it's it's expansive there's so many different facets to the city, and then they just zoom in, and we're only looking at Holo and and Old Spice it, for the rest of the of, time. It kind of makes it so like it doesn't feel like it matters that they're traveling. Like it feels like they're just in a city and then in another city, but like like they're not different at all. And the, the focus is just these too plot fine. lines could take happen. Th- well, these plot lines could happen anywhere. Exactly, and that's because we're looking at two people. We're not looking at a town. Right. Like, the focus is just too fine in a certain sense. Like, we are we only care about these characters, it's true. But at the same time, it's like, I wouldn't have minded a, you know, kind of a wider lens on when they when they go to a town, kind of exploring the town and recognizing it. They, they do an okay job of it, but so much of the time are we sitting in a tavern and talking about the town. Like, maybe show me right. more of it. Yeah, definitely. And... The background in general is is pretty static. Like, nothing important is going to happen in the town while they're in the town, unless it directly affects their merchant business. Yeah. like So that, we never really get that episode of like, hey, there's a party in town. Let's go to the festival. I mean, there are festivals, but they're always like festivals in which Lawrence can turn a profit. Or the church is after them or something. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind there like being kind of just like a religious festival that's kind of a curiosity that they happen to be nearby. Yeah, use it as a little character moment. Yeah, or or maybe like there's a there's a, like a lot of homeless people in alleyways in this particular town, and it means an economic downturn for the city. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's a lot of little kind of ways that you could do world building without having to tell us how it relates to his next business venture. Yeah, like they say the church, like it's just this formless mass that can sometimes make things harder. Yeah, like maybe you nail it down a little bit. Like there's, do, there's no sense of give us a cardinal who's got like. You know, kind of a, a soft spot for uh, single women and, you know, like trying to raise children by themselves. Or, mm-hmm. But maybe he's also got a, like a gambling problem. Like give us a little bit of a fabric behind it. Because every so often we'll meet the church and it'll just be like, 
these vaguely sinister deacons that, that we'd like. <laughs> There's, they're not actually people. They're just kind of structures of the church. Uh, we're going to need you to go bankrupt right now. Like, what, what are you? you, you <laughs> How did you days. get this way, sir? <laughs> Why do you care about me? <laughs> um, they, yeah, I think having a focus beyond these two characters for them to play off of would be better. Um, they do have a third character, Nora, who shows up, uh, a, a shepherd. She, uh, she's, I mean, they always have it. They have this character every couple of episodes. Well, I mean, doesn't she stick around? Not really. Like, only for a few episodes. Like, it's it's like this for every kind of minor character. They have the, one of those in the second season as well. This, this hmm. kind of fox character. I don't think I got that far this time around. The, they refer to her as the fox. She kind of looks like Sheik. Hmm. Um, well, I, I like Nora because she expanded that romance angle. Like, she contributed to the love triangle. Eh. I wasn't thrilled about it. So, so what sort of character would you want to to expand this? Just someone who's not really that directly influencing Lawrence and Holo at all, or yeah, maybe, maybe like an old merchant who has set up shop. There, there was one character in the second season that uh, he kind of has settled down in a in a township and is like warm to Lawrence. They know each other. It's kind of like a glimpse of what Lawrence's life could be. He's a city merchant, not a traveling merchant, which means it's that much more important to have the respect of the people around you. Mm. And it sort of shifts the whole paradigm. And behind that, we also kind of get this like two guys talking about their respective women and like how like it's trouble, but it's worth it. You know, like there's a little bit more to it than simply. Yeah. The more business. than the deal it's it's more than just the deal it's also a person yeah so i guess a little more time spent building up these places so that they f- they feel more interesting right and yeah, they, they do it I'll occasionally but it just made the lack of it that much more apparent yeah i'll, I'll sign on that yeah and, and i think it is a consequence of having such a narrow lens we're only looking at these two people because that's the focus of the show which is fine but it does get kind of monotonous setting wise after a while and they were able to not do it in certain circumstances, so I would have liked to see more of it. Uh, but that, that's, that's kind of the biggest ding I have about this show. Mm-hmm. I think everything else is kind of shooting on all, all, all cylinders. I, uh, I actually watched the whole thing. Really? Wow. Yeah, I, I watched the first couple episodes, and once I got kind of gritted my teeth through the prepubescent nubile girl with a tail, kind of... <laughs> it takes a couple episodes, yeah. <laughs> Like, once she starts wearing clothes, everything's fine. <laughs> And it's not like they don't pander. Like I mean, the the notion that she's a world girl is pandering, but her character is not, you know, ultra sexualized. It's just her presence as that character is. It, it kind of denotes this sexual aspect to the to the medium. Yeah, it's it's believable that she is as naked only as much as she needs to be. I guess so. Yeah, that that's a good way to good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, do you want Do you want to move on? Yeah, I think so. I think we've painted this show pretty well. So I, I do want to ask you if you think that Holo's character is fan service. No. Can can you justify that? Because I couldn't come up with a decision. Like, you know how... Um, like her character model, you mean? Like the idea of this uh, technically older than the male lead, but looks younger, is frequently naked? The, the entire mean? character, like also her personality is like... Like, Holo the Wise Wolf really likes feasts and drinking, which means that she gets drunk a lot, which means she has to be put to bed and, like... Like, she's a god of the harvest. Like, I I didn't have a problem with that. Uh, No, no, you're you're missing my point. Like, it's justified. 
let's accept that it is justified with what her character is. Uh-huh. Let's let like I'll even go one step further and say that everything she does is justified, which I'm not sure of. But let's say that everything she does is justified, and even though you could see it in this kind of pandering way, like appealing to guys who can't talk to girls who want them to be kind of flirtatious way, even accepting all of that is the fact that she is so much that archetype fan service. I still don't think so, because in order to make this relationship work in this setting, you need some of those elements, and once you have those elements, this is this is a recognizable way to like put that together. So you needed her to be flirtatious. You need her to be a little wild and free spirited. You need her, you know, cause that gets her into trouble, but also allows her to, you know, help him out. I think what you were, what you are seeing and what I was like, I think we're approaching it from like, you're approaching it from the start and I'm kind of approaching it from the finish and working back. Uh huh. So like you're seeing it as this character makes sense and, Okay, just happens to fall within the realm of maybe, you know, lonely guys watching this will enjoy it. Like, okay, so like Lawrence's old friend, the person who he taught how to be a merchant, Chloe. Yeah. She's a merchant. Conceivably, they could have gone off on this adventure together. I don't think it would have worked as well. I mean, Chloe was also not without elements of fan service. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I don't but know. My, my, I, I my point it... is that I'm looking at the character and wondering what the design was. And you are looking at the design and justifying the character. I, I think it's a cons- I think it's consistent. I think it follows logically from, you know, established works and doesn't break the mold too far, but it fits exactly the niche that this show needed. I, I'm not arguing that it's not consistent. I think that her character is absolutely consistent. I'm just also arguing that there's an absolute reason why her character is like this in the first place. And it's because it's what the story needed. I, and I think that it's not necessarily the only reason. Hmm. That's all I'm saying. Eh, I mean, that's that's fair. I don't I don't need to see this as fan service, and I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I mean, long story short, I, it's believable enough not to get in the way. Yeah. And, and the, more importantly, it's never gratuitous. I mean, she didn't need to be naked as much as she was. They, they don't like, they don't really draw attention to it, though. Like, more often, it'll just be like... Like, like if... Like, I would believe you if you said the process was, okay, we need X number of scenes of her naked this season. Yeah. But it, I would also believe it if you said, uh, you know, okay, uh, I'm about to do a scene. Would it make more sense for her to be naked or clothed in this scene? Yeah, I I think that this is one of those situations where you can you can justify whatever you're, whatever you're thinking and... My inclination, whenever I see something in anime, is if there's a naked woman, that's why there's a naked woman there, <laughs> is because th- they know their fan base well enough. Mm. Like, I, I understand it, I guess is my point. You accept it and embrace it, and you think it's the best. <laughs> Moving on. Sure. <laughs> so, uh, what do you think of the... I don't know if you noticed any of the camera work, because it's weird. Um, I noticed that nothing really moved. So... In a lot of ways, this kind of felt like it was being directed by, like, Baby's first film course. (laughs) Because there's, like, a lot of really weird panning and, you know, focusing on the characters while they're behind objects that are closer to the camera. And so the camera, like, those objects are out of focus. And there's Hmm. not, it doesn't seem like there's a reason for any of these shots. It just seems like someone was playing with a camera. (laughs) Um, I I didn't notice that so much. I... I noticed more the fact that, like, 
this is more a series of still frames than uh, than motion. That that's true, but I don't think that that's a thing that the director knew precisely how to do. When there was action, I thought it was handled very well. Yeah. So, for instance, Lawrence is running around town. He's going to go bankrupt. His de- deal fell through in the worst possible way. He doesn't know how to pay off his debt. And he, you know, the camera will show to him, like, running on cobblestones. It'll just be his feet, cobblestones. He is mm-hmm. running. He's panting. It's very immediate, and it's very much in what in his head. Like, this is what he would be thinking. Like, he's just keeping his head down. He can't kind of can't focus on anything real. He's only right. focused on the run and, like, the desperation of the situation. That's really good. Right. And But, like... But like we said, like the action is not a huge part of this show. Most right. of the scenes are still, you know, the characters will move their mouths, they might shift their heads a few frames, but mostly it's a series of still images. And so to answer your question, I think the camera work, like the shots that they're picking are just to make it more interesting than like close up on his face, close up on her face. Yeah, close up on which his is face. which is what the dialogue is doing. So you know, having the having the camera give us like maybe a full room shot and then like focus on her face and then have him shuffle through papers or whatever. Like, it, look at it the gives glasses. Us the, look at the candles. Look at the fish in the stream. Like, it gives us the necessary variety for us not to get bored. Uh huh. But I do think that it's less well done than any of the action sequences. Uh yeah. I mean, like I, who 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 actually directed this is what I'm wondering. <laughs> I don't know. Let me let me try to look that up because I think we might be able to get some uh, some. It, I would leave it if it was a budget issue or if it was intentional. Like, this feels like a very straightforward adaptation from a manga in just the way that, like, everything's a series of still frames. So it's the animation studio Imagine without an E at the end. Um, and I'm looking through a, I'm looking through a few of the shows that they've done before. Um, iShield 21, I've seen a few uh, episodes of. And it's very much kind of an action-oriented setting because it's football. Hmm. Um, there's okay, also so then, then maybe this is intentional. Uh, they also have a. They also have you ever seen the anime uh, Mushishi? No. It's weird. Um, <laughs> Thanks. It it's bizarre. It's like it's like a connection of stories about minor spirits throughout the world. Okay. So like maybe this one is. Um, like a like a th- this one focuses like on a spirit of uh of uh, abandoned like traveling uh ships or something like that and like every so often someone who's near the beach can kind of hear the moans of somebody who's just died at sea and it'll just kind of be a story about that okay and that is very much in a similar pattern as this one where it's just kind of a lot of establishing shots and not so much movement i i think that fits I think it fits this show just fine. Are you, do you? Did you not like that? No, not really. Um, I, I, think I think for it's... what the show is, it works. In such a dialogue-heavy show, I would rather not have to just look at their faces all the time. Well, I mean, I, I would also dislike that. What I'm saying is that, like, the, the nature of... It, it made sense for them to kind of switch up the film composition, but the way in which they did it felt forced. And I don't know if there was a better way to do it, but it's it's something that stuck out. Like, this was a concession that needed to happen in order for the show to not be boring. And it works, but I do see it as a concession. Hmm. That's all. I mean, like, I don't really have any stronger feelings about that. It's just, like, the film... Like, the, the shots just kind of were a little bit strange to me. 
Yeah, I think it's a distinctly anime style. It is. Um, and it's something that they do well. It's just, like, in a similar way that there was fan service, but you could see past it. Like, I'm just seeing the reasons behind <laughs> it, and it's cheapening the actual product a little bit. Hmm. Well, I'm, you know, I'm glad that you like it despite these, uh, you know, nitpicky things. The, the, the main romantic pairing was so strong that, and the setting was so strong that uh, all of the nitpicky things are very minor dings. Like, yeah. I think this is still a very, it's a generally very quality show. And it's so unique as far as it's, um, as far as the plot. Yeah. Yeah, this is, this is definitely one of a, one of a kind. Um, I, I don't know where to put this, and I don't really have a yay or nay about this. Mm. That jacket that Lawrence wears. It's pretty good. It looks great. I don't know how chronologically accurate it is. It can't be. Like he it, it very much is like a Han Solo kind of aesthetic. Like leather jacket, like mm. <laughs> like with the with the string on the top so that it's really flexible and So I was watching the I was watching the boxing match last night. I don't know if you're gonna include some of our BSing about that, but uh, uh maybe. Something that I thought was really funny was that we you know, they come out of their respective corners. Um uh, and, and they're like wearing like something over their bodies and then also the shorts or something like that. Um, Floyd Mayweather came out of his corner, like, you know, down that long walk before he gets into the ring and he's got a leather jacket on with zippers and it makes him look like he's like Michael Jackson from Thriller. <laughs> so good. It's ridiculous. <laughs> there was also somebody who was like wearing this like fuzzy headdress and like his shorts were like half fuzzy it was absurd <laughs> it was the first fight of the night you should look it up just for like the novelty that it actually happened all right or maybe not the first fight it was one of the it was one of the first fights nice so silly i don't know where we were uh i think we were finishing up animation no no yeah i'm i'm pretty much done with it uh no i have one other aspect of it and this is a really cool one. Um, this kind of ties the entire parallelism between merchantdom and romanticism is the fact that handshakes are so centerpiece. Yeah, yeah. Like everything. they'll both agree to a deal, but if there's no handshake, it's not done yet. And that's so amazing because that's not how things work now. Like you no. go to a CVS, they don't ask you for a handshake so they can look you in the eye and make sure you're not getting ripped off. No. It, there's no promises in this business that like the the merchant society of this era was not you didn't have like an iron bank kind of promising you that you're going to get paid for your for your time and effort what right. you did have was the other person's self-interest and the other person's promise that they would be they would be good on their deal so that handshake is a lot more important in that setting than it would be nowadays. Mm -hmm. And so it carries a lot of weight whether or not it's happening between a business deal or whether it's happening between, you know, Holo and Lawrence kind of like agreeing to something. Yeah, it definitely definitely puts you into the setting. There's so much weight behind it that you wouldn't associate with a normal handshake today. Right. And I think that's so... I think that that's like a cornerstone of this show. And that's why in the opening... Um, the cinematics. I think it's either the first uh, opening intro or the second one. I don't remember which one, but uh, it ends with a handshake between the two of them. Oh, I, I didn't. I didn't think of that. Yeah, there's so much about it, and you know the the dialogue is not terribly subtle in this way. <laughs> like the the handshakes are kind of subtle. Like the the whole promise between two people toward a similar goal, or promise between two people who are kind of flirting with each other. 
that's a little subtle. The dialogue is not nearly as subtle. So, like, uh, the dialogue will be, like, I don't, like, uh, Craft Services is going to be kind of debating whether or not he wants the deal or whether he wants to keep Holo, and his his rationale for keeping Holo is, like, you know, some very precious cargo landed in my cart a while back, and a good merchant always wonders when to let the cargo go and when to dig in his heels and keep it no matter the cost. And I you don't want to sound lose, so grizzled. <laughs> I don't want to ma- lose my precious cargo. I, I don't have a different way to like voice him, but uh, you know, like like, it, like a mature adult, not like some like pirate like sea hand, <laughs> like <Yes>. deck hand, <laughs> salty sailor. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, man. The the, the point is just that their dialogue is so yeah. I'm the wise wolf. <laughs> Yar. <laughs> Yar, we've been hunting the wise wolf. <laughs> what, like the what, what, like Captain Ahab? Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I do want to talk about this uh, intro. Sure. Uh, it's sort of like a melodramatic music video. It um, is. Just sort of like Holo and Lawrence are near each other for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's way too long, but uh, like you said, when they do the handshake. There's this really nice ending chord. It's, it's very open, and it just sort of rings and stays with you. The notion that this show is not about drama... Well, I mean, like, it has dramatic beats in it, specifically when, like, Lawrence is on the bad end of a deal and he's got to turn a quick profit. But it's not really about drama. It's kind of more about the in-between moments. Mm-hmm. Something that the show does really well is that it kind of gives you both in business arrangements and in the relationship, it's showing you the intermediary. It doesn't show you just the most important parts and expect us to get... Like, it doesn't... It's not setting us the night of the prom. It's all the leading up to this. Everything is going to happen here. Yeah. A lot of the building, the relationship, and building the deal happens in this very slow lead-up that doesn't look like it's trying to get anywhere. Yeah, definitely. Like it I, takes I think its that's time. why this. I think this. That's why this works as an anime because it's. It is a much more journey centric focus. Mm-hmm. Like so much of the time, are they just kind of talking in their room, discussing the next day's plans and kind of where they're both at, and just sort of verbally sniping at each other? Nothing gets resolved. Nothing's approached. It's but just it that grows. It just grows. Yeah. Um, and, and and the intro really kind of gives <laughs> us that feeling because there's no dramatic swelling or, you know, earwormy stuff. It's just kind of very pleasant music while these two people are sort of trying it, to understand each other. It just sort of pushes forward. Yeah, but, but gently. Yeah. You know, not with any kind of purpose, just a general a general feeling of of, of camaraderie and growth. Yeah. The the outro on the other hand. <laughs> oh, what was the outro? Um, it's like this Beatles-ish chord structure with phonetically sung English. Oh man. So, uh, it sounded little... like it belonged in Fruits Basket. I I very very rarely like to listen to outros to shows. Like I think that anime especially um it kind of puts its best foot forward for the opening as it should. Uh-huh. And then the the outro is kind of really strange and not really doesn't really work for me. Uh, I do want to. T- I do want to read you the lyrics. <laughs> I, I guess I have to listen to the lyrics. Uh, I looked at the world through apple eyes, and cut myself a slice of sunshine pie. Fuck. I danced with the peanut butterflies, till time went and told me to say hello but wave goodbye. What is this? <laughs> it doesn't belong here. 
It's like a, it's like a, it's like a kindergarten recital. Yeah. It's like it's... a bunch of little kids putting on costumes and, and talking about fruit. I like peanut butterflies. Boy, but just like as like a Jeopardy category, like a you know like <laughs> peanut butterflies. Yeah, no, no, not the not the category, but like as a as a hint, like you know that Jeopardy category that's like here's the the clue to these first two words, here's the clue mm-hmm. to these second two words, and the middle word is the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like something you put on with on a sandwich with jelly, and also that what a caterpillar turns into, you know, like that'll be the hint, and then you have what to say is peanut butterflies. Peanut butterfly. what is peanut butterflies. <laughs> Correct. I, I can only do those Jeopardy categories. I can do the wordplay, but I can't do any <laughs> facts. Interesting. I'm I'm sure you know some facts. I don't. I fake not, it. <laughs> not a single one. Not a, not a not nary a one. Um. How do you think? Uh. So. What what is kind of interesting? I I don't know why this is popping in my head, but who do you think would get the better of the exchange if it was uh? Spice and Wolf versus like Lupin trying to make Swindle. a profit. Well, you know, the Spice and Wolf would make a really good deal, but Lupin would like just steal it back. That's true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's it's like when you play Catan and you trade away all of your wheat and then just hit him with the Monopoly card and get all the wheat back and then trade them the wheat again. <laughs> Ooh, that's awful. <laughs> that's basically what the show is about. Like I know you're going to wa- I know you still want the wheat, man. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, other things to say about music. Uh, there are only a few themes here. I was I was a pretty big fan of them, though. Yeah, I think this is your fruits fruits basket bias showing. There's this like secrets esque my... music. There's like a weird prepubescent boy choir, and there's a like an obnoxious <laughs> pan flute one. All right. Well, going through these one at a time. So this is actually showing my uh, music foundations bias because we back in high school we did a whole uh, a section in class on renaissance and medieval music and this is like so in like this is perfect i only found that there was one theme that was good and it was like the lively street music theme mm-hmm. the other ones felt very they i don't i don't have a nuanced music appreciation i can't get farther than they just sounded bad to me what what i like about it you know with with these older string instruments and it's got this polyphony going and each instrument has its own voice and they come in individually it it's beautiful and airy, and you don't hear it today because um, in the West, since since the Baroque period, the the focus has really been much more on harmony um, rather than like polyphony. And so this is like this you don't hear this anywhere else. Can can you define that word for me? Polyphony. Yeah. Um. So usually you can have just you can have a melody. Um. You know. You know. I don't. I don't need to describe a melody. Um, you can have a. Could you give me an example of a melody, Zane? Um. <laughs> Wait, what is that? That's uh, one of the KK Slider themes. Oh, you're right. <laughs> Show notes. Um, then you can also have like a counter melody. You can have a counter melody where like. Or, or a harmony where the chord structure makes that melody pop a little bit better or, or resonate more deeply. But then you can have polyphony where there's just multiple different melodies going on at once and sometimes they intersect in a really nice way, but there's no guarantee because they didn't really understand chord structures fully at the time. Oh, weird. Yeah, and just like it clashes where a modern chord would harmonize and 
it's so rare that I, I really keyed into it. It's like kind of like two ballroom dancers who are like doing moves together and then like every so often they'll just separate and kind of do their own thing and then come back together later. Um, maybe? Yep, that's what it's like. It's, it's, it's more, I guess, like two runners running through the streets and occasionally like high-fiving at an intersection. <laughs> I'm cultured as shit, Zane. Um, but yeah, high fiving at the like uh like in um like in Maniac McGee. Yeah, is that reference hitting you at all? Yeah, they they ran through the streets and they like had a friendly competitive ship. Yeah, I, I competitive ship. I I don't. Uh, <laughs> I just I wanted to point that out. It's a <laughs> yeah. It's I don't I don't know why that that uh, that that book stuck in my head like that. It is a really good book. I like the uh, I like the knot. Like he's really good at untying knots, and because of it, there's like this Gordium's knot that's like this. It's just kind of got like that small town lore kind of feel, like a uh, like something yeah, that like, Gerald would report on from Hey Arnold. This is a sight world. Jimmy Bob managed to balance fifteen tennis balls on top of each other. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> never never seen nothing like it. That kid, I tell you. Anyway, um, let's finish this out. Yeah. So you mentioned the the chanting. The, like a uh, um, monk's chant yeah um i don't know what mood it's trying to establish like so, so not these one motifs that belongs come, these motifs come in like to say something about what the scene is so if it's lighthearted or more serious you know you get those like violins doing the psycho shower scene thing when it's when it's tense like the end of a bacchano episode yeah, yeah yeah um i don't know what the women's chanting is supposed to do but but it is haunting it's a, it's a little haunting. I just kind of found it like not fun to listen to. Like I, I like the lively street music. I thought that was very good, but all the other, all the other uh, themes kind of rolled off my brain. Um, what did you think of when the music cut out? Because there were times when it's just like, oh, I can hear like the chatter of the street, or I can hear nature sounds. I was hoping we we could talk about this uh, and also listen to some sirens that are going through Philly. Um, <laughs> So there's like exaggerated sounds of commerce at times, and they're pretty good at giving sound effects to like a crowd of merchant types. You want to hold off a second while those <laughs> sirens die down? Uh, yeah, sure. It sounds as though they're done. Or rather, it doesn't sound as though they're there. Okay. Okay. So I wanted to talk about this because th there are some exaggerated sounds of commerce. And they're pretty good at giving sound effects to, like, a crowd of merchant types. Um, but I wouldn't have minded them going even farther with it. Like, all, all I kind of heard for kind of merchant-style sounds were, like, chattering voices. Mm -hmm. And maybe, like, slamming a mug down. Yeah, and, you know, it's just sort of supposed to be this generic uniform hum, because, like, you don't see people moving in the background. Yeah, it's definitely, like, clock town. Mm-hmm. Like this is a this is a bustling environment with like nondescript activity happening. Like that's what a crowd of voices means. Is there's a bunch of activity, but it's not a precise activity. Right. I wouldn't have minded a little bit more. It averages. Yeah, it's it's a little too much of an average. I, I wouldn't have minded like hearing some goats passing by and maybe like hearing the clatter of coins would have been a really nice touch. Yeah. So like, I like what they're going for, but they they I don't know if they went far enough. Well, the problem with emphasizing it too much is, I, I don't know if this was just the site I was using, I felt like the music sometimes drowned out the voices and it was hard to tell what they were saying. I had that experience a couple times as well. I don't know what the, maybe like the mixing was just off. 
Yeah. Or maybe like the dub just didn't have like the right volume levels for certain episodes. I'm not sure. Yeah. So like, I'm I'm kind of glad that it usually didn't go above a hum. Yeah, I I just there's a you lot of more room. Texture. It's the same way I kind of wanted to zoom out from the dialogue between the two main characters in general. Like, mm-hmm. I, I just wanted more fabric of the world, and because they're not focused on that, we don't get these kind of nice establishing sound effects. And uh, it would have been it would have been a nice touch. Mm-hmm. Like, what the show wants to sell me is this relationship, and it does that. What I wanted from the show was the relationship and the world, and it doesn't do that as well. Yeah, you, you see the world where it intersects with these characters, but you know that there's more out there. Mm-hmm. And, and just, there's just not a lot to go off of. Yeah, and, and that's prioritization on the part of the show, I'm pretty sure, is that they want to explore something, and it's either going to be the world or these people, and they chose these people. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it took you a few episodes to really warm to it anyway. Mm-hmm. If they, yeah. were trying to, if they were trying to give you some, like, you know, here's the background political structure, that might have been a little too much. Yeah, and uh, well, I, I think, like, listeners will notice that I originally hated this show, and I don't remember why. And going through it again, I realized I, I watched the first episode in the second season, um, mm-hmm. and which opens up with, you know, this guy who looks too handsome being flirted by with by two uh, on by two women, and then they go up to the room and the woman is hungover and he has to like tr- nurse her back to health, and also the woman is a fox, like all of the, my most objectionable <laughs> aspects of the show and none of the world that is makes it actually interesting. <laughs> yeah. <we're- laughs> Ben's anime bingo list. Right. <laughs> so, like, there are those aspects, and they make the show real. It's not enough just to have these two people, right? We need something else grounding us, and they do a pretty good job with, like, the plot, like, keeping the plot, uh, the merchant plot kind of making everything move forward, but they sort of miss out on the setting. Yeah. I I keep coming back just for the like economic insights, and I feel like I learned something neat. Yeah, um, I, I would never in, have in a way that's that. more in a way that's more broadly applicable than just economics, because the way that they do it is via psychology, like yeah, social it's, interactions. It's more a study of people than a study yeah. of economics. Mm-hmm. And, and for that, they, that that is the part that they are selling well, and that's the part that I tune in for. Um, I just think there was also room for a little bit more world building. But, like, the the fact that they're focused on something that they did very well means that, you know, that's a minor ding. Like, I'm not going to get on a show for not having a sweet robot battle just because I like sweet robot battles. <laughs> you know, like, if it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit. Yeah. Um, uh, or, I, or if it wasn't the priority, then that's fine. Yeah. There's it, there's definitely things that we can find fault with here. But like you said, you, you, you watched through the whole thing, which is a rare thing for you. It's just that it, it gave me a little bit of good setting stuff that I wanted more and then I didn't get more. Mm. Um, so it was, just, it was teasing me with something that it didn't follow up on, and I, I guess I'm kind of petulant about it. <laughs> oh, you're just like Holo. I'm a little bit like Holo. <laughs> Always leave them wanting more. I like how even though she's like coy and coquettish, like the uh, like the standard like flirtatious archetype, like a Ryoko. I like how that is just not all there is to her. He wanted eight apples, but I only sold him five today. If I go back tomorrow and sell him another five, he'll want all of them. Yeah, I already ate those apples. God damn it, whole like I just if, I turned my back for one minute. If Lawrence sells five apples and Holo eats three of them, how much of a profit? <laughs> when will, will he she make? turn into a wolf? 
Uh, Ooh, you know, one thing that's really cool about the relationship aspect of it is that we are normal. It, it kind of goes the opposite way that we are normally um, associated with this kind of interspecies romance where like the girl has to conform to the guy's standards. It almost feels like the opposite happens. Oh, like he's he's fully civilized and he needs to become he, more. Well, he's not playful at first. He doesn't kind of understand her kind of courtship ritual is very playful, like two dogs fighting. And he sort of yeah. catches on later and becomes more playful. Yeah, you got to show the balance. Or like the idea that to her kissing is like rubbing noses. Aww. And so like at the series finale, he eventually does that. He doesn't kiss her in a human way. Like he's he's going out of his way to like you know, adopt her culture, which I thought was, just, I thought it was just kind of cool. Yeah, that's super cute. Yeah, it's just, you know, the, the the grand theme of this show being the nature of compromise in a relationship. Yeah, mm. I, I, I like it. And I, you know, I don't think when I first watched this show, I picked up on that parallel as much. It's so overwhelmingly obvious, though, isn't it? <laughs> well, I was a young man. I just... when, I, when you were a young man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> If you were a Dital Dital man. I, I was so expecting you to go into YMCA that I didn't I was caught off guard there. <laughs> yeah. I mean Okay. I guess we're done. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Spice and Wolf, it's pretty good. I, I didn't like the way it felt fan servicey, what with there be starting out with an, a nude uh furry, but given that it it and it uh it progressed respectably and it did something that a lot of anime don't do um i like seeing this kind of experimentalism the idea that this is all about mercantile like merchant mercantilism is not like a sexy romantic trade mm -hmm. or, or a, a profession especially for medieval fantasy for right. you know male primarily male audiences although i'm not sure this is primarily male uh i don't know either romance is generally aimed toward women they definitely skew female a little bit um, so I don't know what the target market for this was, but either way, you know, being a merchant is not like a, it's not a sexy, interesting profession. So right. like the fact that they were able to do it is really, yeah. And it's, it's rare to find a show that is this good being this slow. Uh, what I found was that it's good, but it's more impressive than good. Okay. And, uh, you know, that, that, that holds a lot of weight for me. Like, a show that can do this and does it less well than I would like is still really, really, really cool and mm -hmm. great. Yeah. To, to use very specific adjectives. <laughs> it's both cool and great. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's like how I, it's like how I like, describe a skateboard. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is some in-depth journalism right here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I should never write anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So that is Spice and Wolf. Ben, what are we watching next time? Zane, next time we are watching Clerks the Animated Series with the guys from Sylphscope? Uh, Sylph Radio Podcast. Thank you. Sylph Radio yeah. Podcast. Yeah, so we're looking forward to meeting up with them. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be super fun. Uh, and then after that, uh, we're going to watch a show from the 80s. This was a request from one of our longtime listeners, Jessica. Um, we're going to watch Gem and the Holograms. It's a show from the late, from the eighties and it's a show for the ladies. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know what this is. I believe it's in that, um, you know, for fear of misrepresenting something I know nothing about. I think it was in that vein of like, you know, Scooby-Doo knockoffs, except in space. 
I could be totally wrong though. I, but okay. <laughs> I, mean, I, I like, think it's about I think it's about a, a rock star with a gem theme doing space mysteries. It definitely sounds that way. It it sounds like maybe it's like a, a slightly older Jabberjaw. I guess we'll see. How old is Jabberjaw? Like sixties. He's getting up there. He's he can definitely apply for like like social security stuff now. Like he can get the senior discount, but he has to ask for it. Yeah, they they have they card him. <laughs> m- m- mostly because they don't understand how sharks age. Was Jabberjaw a shark? I guess we're done here. So uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, guys, if you would like to, uh, if you guys have anything to say about Clerks the Animated Series or Gem and the Holograms, please go ahead and contact us at uh, our website, cartoncast.com, or our Facebook page. Um, go ahead and, if, if you wouldn't mind leaving a review or rating on iTunes, that would really help out a lot. I noticed that we generally don't get too many, and I think that would be, if you like it, uh, we would love to know. That's uh, that's really nice. Yeah. So go ahead and shoot us a line somehow. Uh, but more than anything else, tell your friends about the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so tell your friends about the show because the favor economy is more complicated than it used to be. So uh, one rate and review is equal to about 10 Facebook likes. But what you, the trick is likes are becoming devalued. So you want to transfer <laughs> them into Bitcoin at your earliest possible opportunity. Not Dogecoin. The- you want Wolfcoin. <laughs> Not Dogecoin. <laughs> Isn't that what sumo wrestlers say? <laughs> like, Dogecoin. What? <laughs> I'm referencing something that I don't understand. Oh, from Roni well. Kenshin. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you recognize that word too? Yeah. Okay. What did he say? I think it was Dogecoin. <laughs> it's something. Was, it's something we don't Dogecoin understand. Was Dogecoin a legitimate currency or was it a joke, or was it one that turned into the other? I thought that you just made it made it up. No, it's definitely a thing. Oof. Yeah, that's weird. When Bitcoin meets memes. Yeah. Yeah, the, the the stunning romance tale between Bitcoins and memes. <laughs> and the babies they had. Yeah, it's all there on fanfiction.net. Fanfic.gov. <laughs> .gov. Uh, give me a handshake. Put her there, pal. Put her there, pal. <laughs> oh, man, we should have made some jokes about uh, about uh, making uh, Holo learn, uh, learn, how to, learn how to shake. Shake. <laughs> yeah, sit, shake. <laughs> she was dehumanized enough, I think. Good God. Good God, y'all.